Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Won't you meet me in chapter 2? And we'll be reading uh, from verse 1 through verse 12. It's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. The last time that I had the pleasure of preaching here at Nassau back in August, uh, I started off my sermon with a reference to that person that we all know who always seems to think they're the smartest guy in the room. Uh, If you were here, you may remember that. Um, And now, as is tradition for Epiphany Sunday, the lectionary gives us this story from Matthew's Gospel about wise men. And lest you think there's a strange pattern forming, let me assure you that this is just a funny coincidence, the one I very much appreciated. I do enjoy when the Holy Spirit thinks herself a comedian. Somehow, Over the course of time, as this story has been told and retold, these magi that we read about here came to be three wise men. Although we actually don't know how many of them there were, or if there were only men in the entourage. Somewhere along the line in our collective imaginations, they even became kings, although they were probably not all that royal. These travelers from the east came from outside the bounds of the Roman Empire, from the Arabian Peninsula or the Persian Empire, an area we now know as Iran. They were most likely practitioners of an ancient religious tradition called Zoroastrianism, a monotheistic belief system that had significant influence on Judaism and Christianity and Islam, and which still, even today, has a small number of adherents in the world. Though our biblical translations simply refer to these characters as wise men, 
this doesn't really begin to paint the full picture of who these folks were. They were polymaths, fascinated by and learned in the fields of history and science and religion and astrology. And they functioned in the roles of teachers, physicians, prophets, priests, fortune tellers, and interpreters of dreams. These magi, these mysterious travelers, they read the stars. They knew the night sky like the backs of their own hands. And they saw so much more in that dark expanse than the tiny pinpricks of light that we can just barely glimpse beyond the glow of our own street lights. They saw the rise and fall of empires. They saw the shifting tides of history unfurling well before they crashed onto the shores of reality. In the steady courses of constellations, in the predictable rising and setting of faraway suns, the Magi saw the hand of the divine at work. And when comets tore through that azure field, when age-old stars became dim, it did not go unnoticed. For the Magi, the night sky was their roadmap, their sacred text, and their compass, both cardinal and moral. And so when one of them, gazing east, saw a star rising that they had never seen before, they knew it meant something special. They couldn't know the full picture of what it meant, not all at once, not right away, but they knew that this unexpected change on the horizon was worth paying attention to. I can imagine the flurry of excitement as these scholar magicians gathered up all of the information they could, scanning the sky and their scrolls back and forth, comparing notes, muttering prayers, arguing, marveling. But this star was on the move. And as, as if drawn by gravity, the magi were compelled to follow it. Perhaps it moved unlike other stars they had seen. Or perhaps it was the twinge of intuition. But whatever it was pulling them off their path, they knew that they had to go. The star took them to Judea. And they made their way to Jerusalem the center of Judean political and religious life. Whatever it was that the Magi had discerned in their study, through their interpretations, on their journey, they came into the city asking the question, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. I wonder if as they made their way around the city asking this question, if they were met with looks of confusion or even fear, the child-born king of the Jews, Herod is the king, and he's no child. Herod is the king of Judea. There's no other king. Herod is here empowered by Rome. Are you saying there's another king? What other king could there be? Only Rome makes kings, right? King Herod caught wind of what was being said around the city, and he gathered the Jewish religious leaders, the priests and the scribes, and he asked them, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? See, Herod knew what other king there could be. 
and that this king, this Christ, this long-awaited Messiah would not only threaten his political standing, but would threaten also the power of an empire that would tolerate no rivals. Herod may have missed the rising of the Magi star in the east, but he could not miss the wave of panic that overcame him when it became clear that the one whose name was above, every, above the name of any other self-proclaimed king or Caesar might have just been born in his own backyard. The priests and scribes shared what they knew with a panicky king, a king whose faithfulness to the Jewish people was not thought to be as certain as his loyalty to Rome or his loyalty to himself. They shared with Herod the words of the prophet Micah that the little town of Bethlehem, the home of one of the smallest tribes of Judah, a few miles away in the shadow of the city, would be the place from whence would come a ruler who would shepherd the people of Israel. Sending his people out, Herod quietly called in the Magi and, and grilled them about the star. Exactly how long ago did you see it rise? And he sent them on their way, urging them to search diligently for the child and to let him know as soon as they found him, because of course he would also want to go and pay him homage. This child who had been born king of the Jews. Magi went on their way in the dark of night, and as they did, the star that had seemed to be they had seen seemed to be leading them. It didn't move in any kind of normal course. It couldn't be plotted like every other star they had ever watched. It moved ahead of them like a beacon, drawing them closer and closer to this child that they had been searching for, this child who had already caused a seated king to tremble in fear. And finally, the star stopped. The world kept turning. Planets and constellations made their way across the firmament. The moon continued in its phase, but the star the Magi had been following stopped. And they were overwhelmed with joy. Before they found the house, before they greeted Mary and knelt before her little boy, before they presented their gifts, it was as though that tiny little spark of fire making its way across the night sky had stopped and found its way into their hearts. These magi were outsiders, outsiders to this faith, to this people, to this empire, and yet they were overwhelmed with joy over the coming of this Christ child, this Messiah. These magi dealt in premonitions, and their gifts even betrayed what the future would hold for Jesus. The gift of gold, a symbol of royalty, incense, a symbol of divinity, and myrrh, a bur burial spice, foretelling his death. These outsiders, led by this light that gave them vision and hope and joy, even as the world kept turning, could see that this child, in the most unusual way, would challenge how we think about power in this world. This child would show us who God is. And this child would grow into the prophet's image of a shepherd who would even lay down his life for his sheep. And after this whole holy encounter, 
The Magi were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they weren't ones to not take dreams seriously. And so they went back home by another road. The story of the Magi's out-of-the-blue encounter with Christ has so many strange, mystical elements, so much high drama and intrigue. And yet, I wonder how different this story might be from the times in each of our own lives where we have been struck by the presence of God, struck by the profundity of the gospel, struck by the mysterious wonders of faith. I wonder how different the Magi story is from our own in those times where we saw or heard or experienced something that made us stop in our tracks and forget how things had been before, struck so hard by the depth of God's love or the manifestation of Christ and the kindness of another that we were left seeing stars, marveling at this light shining in the darkness that the darkness could not overcome. It could have been a moment. It could have been a season. It could have happened over the course of confirmation classes as a kid when you decided to lay claim to this faith as your own. It could have been at a time when your face was pressed against rock bottom and you realized your own deep need for grace. Or it could have been that someone you knew said that they believed in all of this and then actually lived as though it was true. Perhaps you've had such a moment of revelation, an epiphany, as it were. Either when your curiosity about Jesus was sparked for the first time, or an instance when the, the low embers of a faith doused by doubt and disappointment were rekindled. And if so, it may be that that revelation or renewal came because you saw some star rising that surprised you, something that challenged your expectations or ignited your imagination. Maybe you saw or heard or experienced something that changed the way you see the world, changed the way you see how power works, or opened your eyes to the, the brokenness and injustice that is perpetuated all around us, and perhaps in the face of all of that, something showed you what genuine love and compassion can actually do. Whatever shade or hue our particular epiphanies take on, however they catch our eyes or make their way into our hearts, we have seen something in them that has given us hope. The hope that fear and pain will not always reign over us. The hope that shows us we need not accept the atrocities of the world lying down the hope of belonging and purpose and the impossible, incredible redemption of God. Here at the beginning of a new year, we come to this table to receive again the gift of God's grace, broken and poured out for us. As we come longing to be nourished with both strength and vision for the days ahead, I wonder if we might also come remembering the uncharted stars the unexpected kindnesses, the healing moments of overwhelming joy, the hope, the epiphanies that we have seen on this journey of faith. And as we rise from the table, 
May we also remember that we rise as those who bear the light of Christ ourselves, called to shine a path for all who may be longing for something to believe in, a holy encounter, a fresh start, or the kind of joyful, surprising hope that they too can follow onto another road. For the stars that we've seen and the ones yet to reveal themselves, we give thanks to God. Amen. <laughs>